0: Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from the belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Duran. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, Please rate it and comment on this podcast, wherever you get it. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Robert. Hi, Sarah. How are you? <laughs> uh,
1: perfect. Uh, thanks for asking. Well, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, uh, after summer season, which is a busy time for freelancers so we organize a lot of stuff and uh lots of thing going around in our freelance community actually and in my personal business as well i have like uh clients who are heading into pre christmas season right so we deal with stuff uh very busy and i like it That's awesome. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm i'm sort of you know like uh, i'm really energetic person i i really like things moving you know and uh uh, no matter if I work for client or for something uh, related to our freelance community, I always, you know, try to have my best energy that day and you know do my best work. So yeah, September is awesome. I just had a like minor injury with my leg uh, playing tennis, so I was uh, chair bound for a while, like ten days, suffered, <laughs> but uh, now it's getting better. So I I'm- I start moving uh, again.
0: That's good. I um, I totally resonate with the um after summer period., um, most of my clients work in education, and so the fall is an extremely busy time um for my work because everyone, everything starts ramping up. Everyone goes back to school, both the universities I work for, and then the um k12 schools that we work with. And so it is also a busy time for me. and I'm on the tail end of a cold. So I've also been sort of like laid out for <laughs> about a week and I'm like, I need my energy level to come back up because it is so busy right now that um, I need all the energy I can get. So that definitely resonates with me. Um,
1: I'd love. Yeah, it's a, to super, just... in, a super important topic for us freelancers, right? Like having your daily energy at maximum. Like this, that's one thing I'm always trying to tweak. You know, it's uh, and the older I get, I think the more important it is. Oh,
0: I could not agree more, and that's.
1: Um, By the way, the summer season, I just want to reflect on that and also ask you, you know, because uh, the summer season here in Europe is really, 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 really slow, you know, like uh, we were trying to organize some events across Europe and, you know, reaching out to people and co-working places, whatever. And, you know, the response rate, uh, I got replies in like three weeks, you know, after vacation or whatever. So, so I don't know how in the US, but here in Europe, you know, the difference between the summer months, you know, and uh, the September is really huge. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, in the parts of the economy where I work,
0: I think it is definitely different in Europe. Um, I think it to a certain extent happens in the US, but you know, in the US, we just like Pretend that you're supposed to work 24-7 all the time. Um, and don't take <laughs> off like that really nice chunk of time in the summer that I think Europeans um, dedicate like this really nice piece of time in the summer to have an actual vacation. I think a lot of Americans take summer vacations for sure. And I think work slows down, especially because I think a lot of people's kids are out of school. Um But Mm. we don't maybe we don't acknowledge it as much and we don't do it as intentionally, I think, as Europeans do. But it definitely um, happens. Um, Before we get too far, I want to make sure that we um, get you to introduce yourself, too, so that everyone knows what we're um, who you are and what you do. So if you could just tell us, um, give us the answers to our three questions that we ask everyone, which is who are you? um, What do you do and why do you do it?
1: All right, so you want it super short or like extensive, you? You can take it wherever version.
0: you want to take it because I All think right. you you uh, wear multiple hats and you've been doing this for a long time. So
1: yeah, yeah tell us really, whatever really, version it's of a, the
0: story you want.
1: <laughs> I, I try to keep it short, uh, so that we have space for more interesting topics. And uh, well, I'm I'm a business consultant, uh, so I work with uh, clients mostly business owners. That's my core expertise, I would say. Um, but I also work with freelancers, you know, I'm supporting freelancers and I had a really interesting journey in this regard, I believe, because I went freelance like 25 years ago, I I uh, was, you know, heading to Spain, hitchhiking all over Europe, I loved hitchhiking at, at the time, and uh, uh, I went to Spain to do some seasonal labor, whatever, but uh, it was late 1990s, and I knew some coding, and I found uh, a gig actually as an independent freelance contractor uh, for a company that was trying to produce an internet portal, a website, large website. So I was I started freelancing by accident, actually. You know, I'm I'm from an entrepreneurial family. But uh, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur because I saw my parents hustling all the time, you know. And I, so I said to myself, this is definitely not a life for me, you know, like because they are working all days, you know, weekends, whatever. So I had this silly promise to myself, you know, that I would never be a business person, you know, that I would do some artistic work, whatever. I, I love books and writing and stuff. And uh, by the time, of course, I didn't know much about freelancing. I was studying business school, so it was also, you know, company focused. And so I happened to be a freelancer accidentally, worked on a project for two years. I totally burned out at 22 or something like that. So I had to take a a year off, you know, like working in a winery near Vienna. Uh, That really cleared my head, I have to say. And uh, then, when I uh, came back to you know doing uh, web development work, uh, I started getting questions from other freelancers who saw that I was you know active internationally and and doing pretty well. So I was doing one-on-one sessions. I started to do uh, more of this consulting stuff, and then I started also to develop small websites, you know, supporting my freelance friends. Uh, these websites were really very successful so they were getting a lot of inquiries you know from uh, new clients and whatever and uh, they actually made me to think up uh, a plan uh, I developed it when I was in 2004 in Mexico on a long trip you know there were like long uh, uh, rides on buses you know when you when in Mexico you go from one side to one side and for one day so we have a lot of time to think. And I was thinking, well, I could basically turn these small websites into a larger project, which I did. I, I started uh, the Czech freelance community in 2005. At, it was a one-man show at the beginning, but eventually it grew in one of the largest uh, freelance communities in Europe. So, you know, We are currently supporting, I would say, like quarter million freelancers who, who run their business. So we do newsletter, we do podcasts, you know, we, we publish blog, we have an open directory of freelancers where anyone can look up the freelancer. All these contacts are available there. So there is no filter basically. And uh we also started to do Courses for freelancers that I was uh, that I was given. Uh, we also started the first European think tank for freelancers where we met and shared experience, uh, know-how, and so on. And then I was approached by several publishers that whether I would like to write a book. I didn't I didn't want that that much, you know. I, I was still waiting for someone to write it in uh, Czech. But then I uh, found a perfect publisher, you know, like an uh, ideal publisher. Obviously, so they only publish 12 books a year. It's uh, The publishing house is called Young Novel Publishing. And they are really like old-fashioned publishers that really invest time in their authors. And they develop their, uh, you know, idea into a, like, really useful and complex book. So so I wrote a Czech one. Uh, the checkbook book was really long, you know, like it's longer than the one you have. You have this one from HarperCollins. Uh, the check one was like twice as long. It was like 760 pages. And we thought that it wouldn't sell really well because it was that long. It was niche, you know, but it actually turned out into a huge bestseller for the, for the publishing house. And that gave us uh, the idea that we can, you know, make a, English translation, you know, like make it a bit more condensed. I I, I just do a big edit for the book. And uh, then the book was picked by HarperCollins. And here we are, you know, talking about it or these topics in there. But uh, uh, actually, the English edition was also quite important for me as a professional in some other aspects, uh, because I studied more the data and researched more the European freelance economy. And and I realized it was like back in 2018, 2019, that actually uh, the Czech freelance economy that I was focused on most of the time before is quite advanced already, you know, on par with the Netherlands or UK. You know, there is plenty of projects for freelancers, you know, trainings. Business coaches like you are, for example, Uh, you know, so plenty of resources, but that there are other countries in Europe where the support is not as extensive, you know. So I got this idea that we will just use the uh, Czech community uh, platform as a sort of template and create a European platform. So I started freelancing.eu, which is currently our second uh, leg, you know, um, and this is a project that's basically trying to support European freelancers. Uh, it also surprised me in so many ways because in the beginning, I thought that it would be for Europeans. You know, like I was not thinking about people outside of Europe, but then we start doing some events and we also started to send out newsletter and so on. And I realized that most of the people that uh, sign up to these events or sign up to newsletters are actually from the US, Canada, Australia, Africa, Asia. And I was wondering, you know, why are these, why are all these people interested in some European project, you know? And I talked uh, to some of them and realized that uh, they want to see the European perspective because the, the US perspective on freelancing is pretty well known. It's the best covered one, you know, with blogs, with books, with everything. Uh, but People were interested in how Europeans see it. You know, it, it's not a huge difference. There are some differences, I would say. We can talk about it if you want. But in general, I, I realized that uh uh this work is much more global than I'd originally thought. So r- right now I'm you know working on this freelancing.eu project. We are starting to do uh in-person meetings all over Europe. Uh, that's that's the plan. We want to uh, you know, go from the COVID modes where it was all online into in person, and we would like to organize meetings for freelancers all over the, all over Europe. So, if anyone from Europe is listening uh, and you are running I I don't know a co working center a place co working place, you can reach out to me and we can we can have a you know uh, a joint venture meetup there if you want to attract local and international freelancers. So, this is all in a nutshell. You know, I was not talking that much about my consulting practice because i work with more more business owners that also own companies but since you are so much focused on freelancers this is my freelance journey you know from from a really young uh guy coding websites in spain in late 1990s before the dot com bubble burst uh to this you know guy focused on you know supporting freelancers internationally and having conversations with people like you by the way I love your work, you know, I, I told you already, but uh, I have to, I have to put this on, on record, you know, like we are actually for, for, for our newsletter, we are researching, you know, quality sources um, uh, uh, in the whole world, you know, for freelancers, and you are definitely among the top ones. So great work. And thank you for having me on podcast. I talk too much.
0: Thank you for being here. Um, I mean, I love your work. I think the reason why we love each other's work is because we have a similar viewpoint about the power of being a freelancer and, um, the, the importance of freelancers supporting each other. Um, so Mm -hmm. I am, I could not be more thrilled that you were here and, um, there's so much there's so many things that I want to dig in on both from your book and from some things that we that you just said I wonder if we want to just start by talking about um, let's start with the difference between European freelancers and I don't know if we want to juxtapose them with I don't know if we have to juxtapose them with anyone but like tell us what you see as like what's the difference about um european freelancers versus other freelancers and something you said before we hit record that i'm particularly curious about is you said european freelancers don't have to hustle and i'm curious <laughs> about like like tell us more about that because i think hustling no,
1: i said may... i said I, 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 I phrased it differently i said they they don't, they don't have to hustle that much you know okay well, t- uh, tell, tell and this us. was basically related to uh to uh Healthcare issue, basically, you know, because in the US you don't have the universal healthcare that is broadly available to all citizens, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, uh, when I was writing the freelance way, I was discussing these topics with several US freelancers, and I was also researching the pricing of the of the health insurance. And I realized that uh, there is a huge gap between what uh, Europeans usually pay for their health uh, or social in- insurance. And uh, what uh, Americans uh, in some r- more risky groups uh, or risk groups or uh, some areas have to pay for, for for covering the the basis, right? So, in general, I have to say I I don't like generalizing too much about freelancing. Uh, so this was just basic, basically a remark. You know, I wouldn't take that generalization too far. But I would say that uh, in the European context, I quite often meet people who uh, have preference in uh, uh, what they love to do as freelancers, for example, doing some low paid uh, expert work over some really well paid uh, that would cover them, you know, financially. Uh, because they 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 have this sort of preference uh, for long term, and they realize that they could be earning way much more if they would do if they would be doing uh, some commercial gigs or some work that would be a bit more boring for them. But they have this preference, and since they have this universal insurance, you know they they know that if they uh, uh, fall sick, uh, that they can have that covered somehow, you know. It has; uh, it's not perfect. Uh, we saw it uh, during COVID, for example, uh, that uh, in some countries, you know, for example, freelancers who were registered as uh, limited companies could not reach to, you know, to to get the government benefits, you know, for for self, for the self employed. So it has certain problems, but in general. Um, in many countries the system works pretty well in and it gives uh, people a little bit more laid-back attitude uh to work you know i see that with the uh, uh us freelancers that uh, they are in general also just just a general generalization it's definitely not about the individual cases but they they're more business oriented you know they realize that uh that they if they earn more, that they are better covered against risks, you know? And this uh, mindset basically uh, has a huge influence in many uh, uh, areas. And one of them is definitely pricing, you know? Because uh, in Europe, I often, uh, uh, when I consult clients, you know, uh, I often see that they are, they hesitate uh, to set their price Above a certain level because they feel or they think that it would look greedy, you know, that it would look like sort of appropriate. And I see that uh, people in the US have much less problems with this, you know, like there are stars, there are celebrities in almost every field, you know. Uh, sometimes these are people that uh, my clients hired, you know, so they, so I know, I saw the contracts, you know, I, I, I know a little bit about how expensive these services of these top-notch experts can be and they don't they don't, definitely don't hesitate to to ask a couple of house a couple of thousand euros or dollars per hour of work you know because they know that uh, uh they're that good and they have this uh mindset that they are creating profit not out of greed but to create reserves that would sustain them over period where they ha- may have issues in their life, you know, health issues or personal issues or uh, they may have some legal troubles, you know, US is also quite specific in this regard that you may be sued quite easily by anyone, right? Like, it's not that easy in some countries in Europe, you know, uh, the, the, the the legal system works differently in, in some parts, so this is another area, you know, so so I in general, I see that american freelancers they are they are less hesitant you know to to be really uh ambitious in the pricing and uh in in you know in in reaching for better clients you know in in, in creating more ambitious deals you know and and part of what we do is actually trying to change that we are sharing the u.s sources you know showing these examples to to european freelancers so that can so that they can experiment you know and uh you know get used to an idea that you can be really expensive Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean it's, it's less common in europe
0: there's so so there's so many things there there's like the i the um the difference between the way that this like lack of a little bit of a um social safety net, as we would refer to it in the US. Mm-hmm. Um the lack of that in the US um sort of like forces freelancers to um hustle a little bit harder, right? Mm-hmm. So thinking about mm-hmm. having this, a little bit building yeah. their own safety net to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Um being and, self-reliant in a way, yeah.
0: Yeah, and the but the I think the my I the mindset shift there around um doing european freelancers maybe and again i'm totally with you like we're generalizing here but mm-hmm. i love this i love thinking about it as a mindset because for european freelancers having a little bit more freedom to maybe do things that they love that they feel like they're charging that they can charge less, they have to charge less money for versus a my mi- maybe a little bit more of a mindset where um i'm not doing some i'm maybe putting what I love a little bit more on the back burner and focusing a little bit more on what is going to make me the most amount of money. Um, Which I think the combination of those two mindsets is like where the sweet spot is, where you're like, I can really think about do like doing what I love is 100% important and as equally important as making really good money for what I love and what I'm good at. Um, And that's where I think if the freelancers who find that, um that like nexus between those two things are the ones that are char- I think a charging the highest rates and b like really enjoying what they do because I think once you find something that's that is really what you love, you can hone in on it in a way where you are, um, what I refer to as like, a big fish in a small pond, where you have that very specific area of expertise, and you're able to charge the highest rates for it. Now, again, that's that's a journey, that's a journey of a lifetime. <laughs> I think that it ha- and it also like I think changes. Like you were not. Yeah, it's saying a super important
1: uh, um, idea. Yeah, I, I agree that uh, that it's ideal if you combine the two. But the thing is that the journey to this point is definitely not straightforward. You yes. know? So it takes a lot of trial and error uh uh i think in general freelancers are better off if they know about uh you know more options you know how to how to approach some career choices so i'm definitely not saying that one is better than the other one you know i'm just saying that uh uh you know having you know in general i it's 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 also one of the ideas covered in my book you know Mm, i see like a very common problem among freelancers who are experts you know and that problem lies in that foremostly we are experts you know we love our profession you know if you do some really interesting profession, you fell in love with it. You you like, I don't know, developing websites or or coaching clients, whatever. But actually quite few professions are directly related to entrepreneurship. You know, so a freelancer is both an expert, you have to be getting better in what you do. I don't know if you are uh, eye surgeon, you have to be great, uh, you know, doctor, whatever. If you are copyright, you have to be getting better at writing better text. If you are journalist, whatever, graphic designer. So we we tend to love our profession and develop this side of things, you know. But what I see as a broad and almost a general problem is that. Quite often, uh, freelancers neglect the the business side of things. That they don't realize that there is this whole area of uh, you know business strategy, pricing, business negotiations, uh, personal marketing. You know, you may say personal branding, whatever. Uh, and and uh, the problem I often see is that they develop one side and they neglect the other one. You know, so. My mission with the book and with what we do is actually help freelancers to develop the entrepreneurial side. And it's a journey, exactly as you said, you know, like it's not about just charging more. It, it's it's nonsense because when you charge more, what, what do you do? I mean, like uh, the moment you charge more to the clients, the expectations go Skyroof, you know, like skyroof uh, sky high, you know, like if you charge two times, three times more, they have so much higher expectations about the professionalism of overall work, about the delivery, about uh, reliability, you know, about the way you communicate with them, you know, so and and you can never foresee where these expectations will go. Because you will probably go with a high price to go into a new, higher segment of your clients. And these will be different people that you dealt with before. They will think differently. They have they, they will have different way of telling you things. You know, they will be perhaps, you know, using a different language as well a little bit, you know, in, in explaining themselves and about whatever. So, and this is something that we cannot foresee, you know, like you cannot foresee like what will be your clientele if you charge five times as much as you do now you can't. So, so you have to go there, trial and error. Uh, and in every step do exactly as you said, you know, make sure that you actually still love the work that you actually still not only charge more, but doing something that is, you know, disappointing in some way. So it's, a, it's a search. It's a long search for your niche, for your, for your sweet spot, as you said, that's a super imp- important point that you made.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. I think it is, um, there is no, like what we you're saying before we hit record, there's no formula. Like you you have, it's all about trial and error. It's all about, you have to figure out what works for you. And I think you're exactly right. And which is again, why I think like we're, we think about this stuff in very much the same way where, you um, that is exactly why i talk so much about boss mindset is cuz i see so many mm. freelancers who do not consider themselves a business because they yeah. are one person and i'm and so part of my mission is like every freelancer is a business and the more you start thinking about yourself as a business the more you start to shift some of those things internally for yourself because i think you're absolutely right the the X ex- it's, um, sort of like a ladder effect of, um, pricing and then expectations. And so the more you're raising your game in terms of like the way you're approaching your business as a business, in terms of the way you're communicating with people, in terms of the way you're presenting your work to people, um, all of those things that go into that allow you to raise your prices and raising your prices, then raises your expectations, the expectations. Um, and you're, exactly right like i think the one of the things that i think we've all fall prey to but maybe even more so in the u.s is like we're con we're um a lot of times just chasing the dollar so we're chasing um like technically your earning power as a freelancer the sky's the limit you can earn again with that latter effect and with like making sure that you're um meeting the expectations of your clients The sky's the limit on how much money you can earn, but all of that is relative to how much time you want to be putting in and the types of people that you want to be working with and the type of work that you're doing and do you actually love it? And so sometimes I see people that climb that ladder and get further up to the top where they're like, I'm charging a ton of money for this and I hate working with these people. And so I need to just like go down Mm -hmm. a couple of matches and start over. So I, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. There's no, there's no right way to do it, and there's no way that someone can just come. You can't go to a, a, a you know, a course or a 90 minute workshop and come out on the other side and be like, "Great, I've figured it out." It is the journey of a lifetime, and you're constantly readjusting it as you go.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's uh, there's also one interesting point there, eh? as he said, like chasing the dole. You no, know, I think I think an interesting approach is and is that not think uh, too much uh, about the money itself you know like i i personally um have a more technical approach you know like uh i i know that uh, i'm already pretty busy and that i have only a certain amount of available time you know and i'm trying to match the 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 price i'm setting to the amount of time I have you know so for me it's more a technical uh approach or technical system you know i know that uh, by doing this i may become way too expensive for some people uh, but i may always you know find some time for uh, uh you know creating a sort of affordable service you know for uh, like one of consultation or or do some pro bono work which I which I do Uh, mm, most of it is related to our community work so I may still find you know uh, really interesting projects to work on but I don't I don't uh, I never thought of it as you know trying to uh, sell my time to highest bidder you know I'm just trying to be proactive in terms of you know charging more before I'm already overworked you know Mm. I'm trying to raise the price in order to make more time for myself for my family you know so chasing the dollar is actually a way to have more time for doing things I love you know it's it's uh it, it, I think it's interesting to look at it also this way, you know, not, it's not about how much I can earn or how much I will earn, but if I don't uh, alter the pricing soon enough, you know, the clients will flood me with work, mm-hmm. you know, I will be overworked, I will be overstretched, I will not be happy about what I do, you know, and very often, you know, like if we are hon- honest to ourselves, you know, if we hate doing something, you know, it's not sometimes that much about the people we work with or the client or the projects we work on, but it's because we are, you know, overworked. We yep. work 12 <clears throat> hours a day, sometimes on the weekends, you know, and then suddenly you find yourself, you're, yourself in a situation where you don't like the work that much anymore because you are just too stretched. You know, my experience is that, uh, Sometimes, of course, I uh, bump into people who I definitely don't want to be my clients, you know, and I have a system uh, that is also described in detail in the freelance way, how to filter out these people very re- reliably. So I almost never work with them, you know, I have there are red flags, there are, you know, like sort of questions you make ask, you know, part of the filtering is in pricing, uh, the, the, the business conditions I have, you know, like for, for the clients, but in general i find out that uh if i work less if i make more free time if i if i follow my daily regimen you know taking enough sun you know healthy food you know exercise and everything i actually love doing things that would be boring for people who are stretched you know because i have time for them i have time to think about them, I have time to deliver extra value to clients, you know, I always lo- love to have, you know, these complex relationships with people I work with mm-hmm. it's not only about delivering, you know some report. this is silly, I mean like if you want to be really to really create value, you know that value often lies for the client in things that is are not that straightforward you know, like, uh, so that's why we, when I work with clients uh, in the, on the long term we also dis- discuss things like uh, mm, how they invest, you know, how they take care of themselves, you know, how their daily routine is set up because they see that I ha- have it somehow set up well and they want to be inspired and it's part of the package, you know, and that's why I also write in a book, it's a quote by a great, uh, uh great uh, consultant I met that Uh, On a certain level as a consultant, you don't only sell your time to the client, you also sell the relationship in a way that you personally will take care of their maximum benefit from your collaboration, you know, and this sort of, you know, looking at pricing makes the work way less focused on the actual dollar, even though you are raising it in order to make time and focus more on enjoying the whole experience. Does it make sense? Oh, it makes
0: perfect sense. And I I love that way of looking at it so much because the <clears throat> the it, it like you just said, it is about the price. Um, but the price is more of a mechanism for using that as a leverage point to craft what your entire business looks like and who your clientele yeah. is and how you're spending your time. So you're using your price as like your main sort of um like let off valve like you close it when you raise it up when exactly, you when you're precisely. starting to get too much and this
1: mechanism yeah. is like it's it's so important that i believe that every freelancer should master it yes it's super important and it of is of course there are, there are niches you know i mean I, i'm not talking about platform freelancers i'm not talking about creative economy you know we are more talking about full-time freelancers, experts yeah. in a way who are selling their expertise on the free market. That's what I'm talking about mainly here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, I mean, I could not agree more. I think it is the. it is also something that you said, if you let it get away from you, um, like you have to be very vigilant about it. You have to be always watching it because if you let it get away from you, you can look back and be like, oh, I have way too much work and I'm charging way too little money for it. And mm-hmm. if you had been adjusting that a little bit, you talk a lot about this in the book, um, about not having like a a cliff <laughs> where you're raising your price, where you're like, oh no, now mm-hmm. I have to double my price. Um, but you're just like being conscious of it and raising it over time in relation to all these other things, which I think fundamentally are, much more important than the money, but the money is, mm-hmm. a, is a leverage point to make sure that um the time, the flexibility, um the type of work, the type of people that you're working with, all of those things are related to the amount of money that you're charging.
1: Also, one important thing that I forgot, uh, if you charge more, and if you create a larger financial reserve, this will also give you a much greater freedom to Fine-tune your filter who to work with, you know. So it it it's then it's much easier, you know, to let some opportunities just go by, and recommend somebody else, you know, who is more you know appropriate for the client. So you are then much more comfortable in not hustling that much and waiting for the right open opportunity, opportunity where you know that the client knows exactly uh, needs exactly someone like you where you can deliver much greater value than probably some other people they work with and that also enables you you know to uh to, to actually set the price even higher later because you are de- delivering consistently greater value for the clients you know so so having this uh having this leisure for waiting for the proper Good clients, you know, uh uh premium clients if you want, whatever, uh uh is also enabled by by charging more because you have larger reserve, and as everyone knows who, who is building the reserve over the long term, you know, it's a huge difference if you have reserve for one month of your expenditures or reserve for five years. Yeah. That creates a completely different, you know, approach to picking up work you know so that yeah. that's also a huge a huge game changer i forgot to, to to mention that
0: no i think that is exactly right i think um i just think it's it's not like it's definitely aligned to all the ways that i think about pricing and about money and about worth and all the other things but i don't know that that's like crystallized for me in until now in the way that you said it where it's just like your price is about so much more than the money um because it it it, is like we said it's just this leverage point that that gives you um access to so many different things and it's something like you said is it is a skill set going back to what we said about freelancers thinking about themselves as businesses and this like entrepreneurial mindset it is that is one of the biggest things that i think people don't know how to do it is a skill set what being able to just Watch your your demand, um, watch how you are interacting with your business, watch the types of pr- clients and projects that you're getting, um, and knowing how to adjust your price accordingly and being super vigilant about that is a skill set that I don't think a lot of people yeah. have.
1: And I have to say that uh, I totally agree uh, and that what doesn't make it easier is that uh, it's actually hard to find... Uh, uh relevant information about pricing you know because there's so many uh different opinions actually yeah. uh uh one, one one thing that really sh- uh, strikes me it's uh that i often read for example opinions expert opinions that uh, uh for example charging uh, your work by the hour it doesn't make sense because you have to, I don't know, sell value, whatever, you know, and then you go and you go into the service and you actually see that uh, charging by the hour or by the man day is totally predominant in mm-hmm. the in the market, you know, like it's 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 the number one method to uh, to to price uh, freelance work, you know, in in most services I've seen. Uh, there was a one German one it's not statistically representative because it was uh done with a selection of of the members of a, of a of a, it, it was done by freelance map and I think that uh uh the people who charge by the hour or by the by the men or by the day whatever uh combined was something like 85 percent and these people if you look at the survey they are not changing a little you know I mean like they are pretty well off you know in terms of general comparison in terms of freelancing and and also another thing is that you have certain professions where it is completely common to charge by the hour and if i talk to these people they said like this is simply the best method that works for me you know so i don't say that uh, uh, hourly rate or um, i don't know a fixed rate or 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 job rate is the best one you know i just say that it's pretty complicated for people to to get a grasp of pricing because they're often told that something is useless you know mm-hmm. and I always try to remind what I write about freelancing what I discuss freelancing like on this opportunity that we have to realize that that uh, freelancers work in hundreds of industries and thousands of professions and many of these they have like habitual way of doing things of pricing things and I think that the number one responsibility for a freelancer is basically to master uh, the methods that are used in your profession, you know, because clients will be expecting that, you know, them, right. That you master them in a way. And only after you, you know how they work and where are their limits, you know, try to add some extra stuff, you know, advanced pricing, you know, value-based, whatever you want, you know, like uh, just, you can add more arsenal to your pricing uh, warfare or whatever, and and uh, I think this is this is a really uh, serious problem for many beginners because uh, they often overlook the basic methods of pricing as sort of obsolete or not you know fancy enough you know and they go into more complex stuff which doesn't work because it requires more complex knowledge sometimes, you know, for example, if you do variant pricing, you know, Mm. like you offer a client three variants, you know, like a budget one, a a standard one and a premium super, uh, superb one, you know, like, well, it's a great method, but, but to use it, you actually have to know something about pricing and have some prior experience with using some more simple methods. Right. Yeah. So I would always say that, you know, like, uh, Whatever you are trying to study pricing, think about two things. Uh, Freelancing is hugely complex, you know, hundreds of industries, thousands of professions. It's always great to talk to people directly in your profession, you know, like five or 10 colleagues, you know, exchange ideas, how exactly you price that client and why? Why are you using this silly method or that uh, proposal or whatever? What's the reasoning behind it, you know? And that way we learn, that the way we learn that our rate is not for me, okay, I will try something else, you know, and you actually find out what works for you. It's the system we were talking about, you know, trial and error, but it's more rooted in in practice, not in some, you know, nonchalant generalization about that charging by the hour is silly. Because, for example, in my case, it's definitely not silly. It's the best method I work with. And I, I mean, know it, plenty of consultants who are, who have similar opinion, you know, like, and I don't say that anything else is bad. I just say, well, this is how it works for me. And and I know the reasons. I don't have to be told, you know, this or that.
0: Well, and I think, I mean, I cannot agree more. I think that the, um, you, and that just goes back to, again, like having... Being looking at yourself like a business means that you know how you're justifying your price, you know why you're charging like that. Hmm. You're not taking something off the shelf that some business guru or someone else said this is the way you should do it. You're and that is also my number one piece of advice too around pricing. I'm like, go hmm. talk to five other, five other people that do the same thing you do. Exactly. Like you're not there's no Very way important. There's Super no way you're important. gonna know unless especially if you're just starting off. That is the only way you're gonna be able to um to decide is if you're talking to other people that do what you do or
1: other people who hire people that do what you do
0: um, because you cut, ca- it's yeah, nice to be able to look at it from both
1: sides. Most of the things is not written about. Yeah. You no know, people, there are nuances, you know, like reasonings behind things that no one takes time to write about, you know, like always the, the real world is way more complex than, you know, the simplified version in a block piece. Right. Yep. So the, why we have to talk to these people is because that's the only way besides practice, you know, how to find out how in the complex market reality things sometimes work. And they tell, you know, I, I, I was having this client, you know, and there was this problem. And this is precisely why I have this clause in the contract, because that was the situation I want to prevent it. And then, you know, then you know that it was caused by a, accidents by some you know by bumping into some you know guy who was trying not to pay or whatever
0: yep yep um i mean i think that's a great place to leave it obviously we could talk for many many hours about all of them as yeah. you that are in your book and i will plug that there is um there's a chapter in your book specifically about pricing there's a couple other chapters in here that touch on pricing it is definitely the most comprehensive overview of pricing i have ever read for freelancers so i cannot recommend reading like read if read the whole book because it is wonderful um but that chapter in particular i think you're it's really i think it's hard to talk about pricing without simplifying it into these like formulas or rules or best practices when like Ultimately, you just need to know the menu of options and then find the one that works best in your industry and for your business model, and that is something that is going to be um, customized to both your industry, the what you do, and who you are as a business.
1: Um, yeah, second thing that is related to the very tightly, and we don't have the time for that, but we can discuss it in some time. Some other time is business negotiations. You know, yes. I think that people totally underestimate. Uh, how important it is to learn to negotiate, you know, it's, uh, and it's actually probably the only, you know, part of the freelance business where I would recommend to Lee to read at least several books. Because yes. You reference some of my favorites in there. Yeah. It's, it's so, because it's so hard. I mean, like, if you don't read them or if you don't talk to experienced negotiators, negotiators, you then have to learn by, making mistakes and in business negotiations m- mistakes are really expensive sometimes mm-hmm. so I think it's really I don't say it lightly I, I know that recommending reading you know uh, half a dozen book it doesn't sound good but uh, I know from experience that it helps pe- people a lot especially if they are not uh, born in negotiation negotiators who are somehow you know predisposed to be great in some area of negotiating so that would be my second favorite subject you know in in not only about you know and this is also quite a common problem uh people are quite aware that they have to negotiate about new deals right but how about in the old deals i mean like mm-hmm. we have different price like we are different people after several years because we are working on ourselves right yeah and This creates a need to renegotiate the ongoing collaborations, sometimes to put them on a completely new level, you know, like saying to the client, you know, like we are doing something, but I'm already doing something quite different. And I would like to, you know, uh, to have you on the same page, you know, like perhaps I can do something else for you. Let's discuss that, you know, so I always think that it's great to have a moment like when you send an invoice or you know like to look at the present collaborations and say well what can i do to uh, upsell this client or negotiate in order to align the collaboration with what i want to do at this moment you know i think freelancers don't often do that they they just have this habitual way of, you know, going on for years, you know, uh, having the same price with the same client, you know, it's so comfortable, you know, it's so comfortable. And uh, often when we lose money, it's in this area because these people, they know us, they know the value they we are creating, they trust us. They, they know that we are serious professional in what what we do and they would be willing to discuss uh. To giving us greater amount of the value we're creating if we negotiate enough you know and i always say uh someone has to you know fight for your side of the deal people don't do that we we are as freelancers you know we are so much client oriented we want to do the best for the client you know like we we, we very often provide much better service than a company does you know with all the downsides of freelance work of course you know that it's not ideal it's not perfect well it's not the rose garden you know but one of the downsides is that we tried we then sort of neglect you know you know our part of the deal so that would be my uh closing idea
0: i think that is really good advice and i cannot agree more that it is an area that often gets overlooked um and like I said, you reference a lot of my favorite books in your book
1: about negotiations. Which so one did you like most about negotiations?
0: My favorite one what? is Never Split the Difference.
1: All right, that's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah it's and it's a bit it's a bit uh, it's a bit uh, hard on it is. On, it's, on things. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know? intense.
0: Yeah, um, it's uh,
1: I know that uh, in the European context, uh, in some cases, it's a bit too hard. You know, yeah. like we like a different way of approaching things. So I would I I prefer. Uh, Seth Freeman you know uh the art of negotiating the best deal the, okay. from the great courses because it's so mild you know it's uh it's more on the on finding the consensus you know like uh boss is really the hard one you know he was yeah. the FBI negotiator so he had these uh, squads swat teams behind him you know like that's a that's a position uh that you will never find yourself in as a freelancer you know having sure. uh, you know a billion dollar company behind you or a SWAT team you know with, yes. with, uh, with snipers you know so I think we have to master uh, softer ways you know in, of yeah. doing uh of of you know fighting for our thing you know
0: yeah I think you're absolutely but, but right I
1: agree. you know like it's like it's a great uh that you that that, uh, that you recommend it because uh any reading on negotiations you know there are even some crazy stuff you know I just if, if we can go on more for a minute. Yeah. The, the, the most ambitious book I've read on negotiations uh, is probably not, not the worst one, uh, Never Split the Difference, but it's uh, Split the Pie by Neri N- yeah? he's He's a, he's a okay. sort of professor academic in terms of uh, negotiations. And he also has a business experience. And this guy is so ambitious that he tells that no matter if you are a freelancer and on the other side is a one billion dollar company client, that the the new value that is created by the business should be split in half.
0: Ooh, no I works. like that. So
1: for example, yeah, that's this idea. I don't mean really like. So imagine you 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 uh, buy your work, you create I don't know five million in new revenue or new profit for your client, and his idea simplified because it's like it's a lot of math there you know yeah. is that you should be aiming for half of it <laughs> and and so this is really ambitious so there are many you know you know really uh i would say like very opinionated books on on a, on a, on negotiating but i love them all you know it's so important to discuss this topic
0: it really is i think it is it is something that often gets overlooked um, and feedback and everything we've said, too, about just like looking at yourself like a business, having an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I, can, I cannot thank you enough for talking to us. Um, I hope that we can have you back again soon because there are many, many other topics I would love <laughs> to discuss with you. And um, before we let you go, tell us um, where we can find you.
1: All right. you can just Google me it's, it's pretty easy and uh, uh, we run this uh, freelancing.eu project uh, where you can subscribe to a newsletter. This is surging in subscribers uh, recently. so so I I'm I'm writing uh, exclusive content for each issue. if, uh, if people are interested in, in what I write currently, these are like basically short uh, opinion pieces or, or essays. And we are also starting uh, in-person meetups for freelancers all over Europe, also to be found on on in this new newsletter. And well, uh, last but not least, I, I would like to mention a challenge uh, that is also an invitation for you. If you ever come to Europe uh, and would be willing to to do an interv- in-person interview, I would love to do that. Uh, that would be great. Uh, but it's also meant for people who are you know like internationals and would be willing to come to Ostrava where I live in Czech Republic uh by plane whatever uh that I'm willing to record longer interviews with wider array of freelancers so if you are listened to if you are listening listening to this and you are adventurous and a traveler you uh, you want to travel to Europe uh uh, you will find me, in Ostrava. <laughs> awesome, uh, I love it. A, yeah, yeah, it's it's a silly idea. I know, like, uh, no, uh, no people are coming yet. But I know if I spread this idea a little bit, you know, like it will start.
0: Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on my <laughs> travel radar. The Czech Republic has been on my <laughs> list of places to visit for quite some time. So I need just like the tiniest nudge to write it off as a business expense, and I'm there
1: um, <laughs> um you, can, you can you definitely can
0: oh i'm dead serious Robert. we a, are, will, we are going to make it happen for sure <laughs> <laughs> um well thank you so so much again and um we'll put all the links to um all of your things in the show notes and um hopefully we will um see you back again sometime real soon
1: uh it will be my pleasure sarah like i admire work keep it coming keep it growing you're you're, you're perfect in what you do.
0: Thank you so much. Great
1: articles. We've been sharing them for years. So, you know, so having this opportunity to talking to you finally in person, my pleasure.
0: Mm, That means so much to me.